In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hey listeners, welcome to our second ever mini-sode. I'm Aaron, and joining me for this bonus episode is my Feelin' Film co-host, Patrick. Dude, hi, what's up? Is that your surfer impression? It's an attempt at my surfer guy, not an impression, just me being a surfer. Fair enough. I will I will take that. Take it. So these mini-sodes are much more streamlined version of our weekly show. Their publication is completely random, and they serve as an opportunity for us to talk about content that we didn't already have on our schedule, but that we really felt passionate about. Yeah, exactly, Aaron. And this is one we did not expect a lot of people to be interested in, despite the fact that we were. I know you mentioned how badly you wanted to see it, and I echoed that. And I mean, this is coming out during the awesome Shark Week on Discovery Channel, and it has Blake Lively in it. So what is not to love about this? Oh, I absolutely agree. And the cool thing is that it's getting really solid reviews. So apparently more people than we thought dig this kind of film. I hope that means that we'll be getting to see a lot more like this. Um, I Definitely one of my favorites. Me too. So The Shallows is basically the story of a girl who goes surfing and ends up fighting for survival as she is repeatedly attacked by a great white shark. That ends the bare bones definition or explanation of the plot. It's got surprisingly more depth. You see what I did there? (laughs) There's my pun. Pun for the day. Okay. But it's got more depth than that. And we'll definitely discuss how that enhances the film. We will be spoiling the ending for you. So if you have not seen it, we recommend you do so and then come back and listen. Clock ticks for three seconds and go. (laughs) With that, the introduction is out of the way. And um, we might as well take a cue from our main character, Nancy. As she says in the film, time to go. Well, let me tell you, I was not really aware of this until you told me about it, Aaron. You'd mentioned um, I hadn't actually seen a trailer for this because I know that you're on kind of a what a trailer uh, fast this this year. I'm attempting to be it's it's becoming harder and harder the more theater movies that I go to um, to cover for the podcast. (laughs) It's just I mean, I'm not embarrassed to put my head down and plug my ears but there so i've seen i've ended up seeing a lot of trailers that i didn't want to see um there are a couple that i have just promised myself i'm not going to watch which rogue one uh, fantastic beasts and where to find them I, there's a couple that i've i've done the best i can to avoid them but yeah well I, i'm not on that quest with you so when i got a chance to see the teaser for this I was intrigued because I immediately thought, is this Jaws for 2016? And um, and when you mentioned it, I kind of did some research and I saw that it had Blake Lively in it. I just seen her in Age of Adeline and I fell immediately in love with her in that movie. And I thought how great it is that she's going to be potentially fighting off a shark. And so that's a completely opposite role that she's in. And um, so I got really excited about it. So when you mentioned that you wanted to do a mini-sode about it, I said, well, I'm in. Let's go for it. And I was not disappointed. I was incredibly amazed at, um, well, I mean, one of the things that I took away from it was the fact that 
at about two hours long, this film had a lot of meat to it, not just meat for the shark, obviously with the death toll kind of racking up throughout the movie, but a lot of, um, a lot of thematic, uh, bonus, just a lot of just stuff going on. And it wasn't just about someone trying to fight off a shark and get away from it. We had a lot of great, uh, backstory that we learned about in different ways, um, throughout the film. And it gave, it gave the story a lot more weight to it. It wasn't just a survivor movie at this point. It was a, it was a, um, it was a drama. There was a lot of, lot of drama involved in that. And, um, and I was really surprised by that in, in a good way. Yeah, me too. I thought it was a very good movie. I was expecting it to be worse just based on the normal Hollywood. They, they usually mess things like this up. Um, and I thought it was going to be all spectacle and no heart. And like you said, we got a lot more heart than I was uh, bargaining for. And that was a very pleasant surprise. Um, if anything, it's it's kind of funny with the more heart. I actually felt like there was less tension than I was expecting. Um, there were some moments of genuine scare and fear for me, but it wasn't it wasn't an a constant tension throughout the whole film. Um, they definitely broke it up quite a bit during this. Well, one. I want to, and I want to, I want to talk about that for a minute. I think um, because I listened to uh, your minisode. Um, about the conjuring too. And one of the points you mentioned, which is a point that causes me to be less inclined to see those types of movies is the fact that for a, uh, what, a two and a half hour movie, two hour movie, about an hour and 45 minutes of it was all tension. Yep. There was maybe a fourth of it or less than that, that had relaxation <laughs> therapy. <laughs> and for me, movies, I don't get that kind of response of, I don't get that kind of, adrenaline rush um that that you would from a movie that doesn't have a break in tension i need breaks in tension to enjoy a movie fully that's like my own personal approach to movies like this that are more like thrillers and things like that which is why i avoid quote-unquote horror films movies like this you mentioned beautifully that it had a great balance of being able to give us some some kind of breaks emotionally and breaks from the tension so that we could sort of breathe and kind of relax with her and relax with, with her thoughts and be in those moments with her. But they didn't feel so far removed that we were ever out of those that overall tension of where we were. And I thought that was a beautifully done, uh, beautifully done storytelling method to give us that kind of balance. Yeah, I agree. I thought that her performance particularly was – Pretty surprising as well, honestly. I now I haven't seen Age of Adeline yet. I, I it's gonna it's rocketing up my list now because Blake Lively has always been. So I've always kind of adored her. I guess would be the word from the Gossip Girl days um, when I was young enough at the time to still be watching something like that. I would never admit to doing that these days, but uh, <laughs> but back then, yeah, there was there was some of that. And, you know, she just has this, she's such a unique actress because she has, this is almost like a contradiction, but she has an elegance to her and she also has a homeliness to her. So she looks like a Marilyn Monroe, but she kind of acts like a Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. And I, can see that. I think it's a, an awesome, she just has an awesome personality. 
Um, every time I've seen her, her her charisma and her uh, control of the screen, her presence is wonderful. And so, you know, I thought she was going to do well, but anytime you have a lone person in a movie where the the film is like 90% just them, that's a tall order. That is a huge task to just be acting by yourself and doing monologues. And in a film that, you know, doesn't have a lot of talking in it, um, I thought that they actually did a good job. I've heard the criticism of this same thing where some people did not respond well to it and they thought that it was kind of cheesy, her talking to herself and her talking to Steven Siegel uh, because they thought it was kind of a cop-out and it, the movie was afraid to just be quiet. But I thought it was very realistic. If I'm in this situation, I am going to want to talk to someone. I need to feel that someone else is there. And I thought that... She, I'm trying to tie this back into performance. I I thought that she executed that really, really well. Um, she she had moments where I believed every bit that she was a great daughter and a great sister, and that she loved and missed her mom, and she was a happy girl. I I believed it when I saw her get tense and uh, frustrated with her dad for asking questions that she didn't want to deal with that she'd buried, and I I thought her fear in some of the scenes was completely genuine and believable. So I don't know. What did you, what did you think about her? I obviously I'm crushing on her as well, but what did you think about Blake's performance? Well, you know, I agree with you that it's definitely hard to act as one person in an, in an entire movie. Um, and, and I was drawn particularly to, you know, even though this is an, you know, we're feeling film, I'm going to make a technical comment here and say that, you know, that shark was not real. I mean, we know it was a CG shark. We know that there was not a lot going on. And so she was interacting with something that was not there. And I I remember reading an interview with her and saying just what a challenge that was to have to get genuine emotional responses from something that wasn't physically there. And when I'm seeing her, the way that she acts and the way that she responds, not only in the moments like with the bird and with herself, um, you mentioned talking to herself. I thought one of the one of my favorite moments in the movie was when she was using legitimate stuff around her uh, from her days as a, as studying medicine to she was almost she was talking to herself like she was a doctor talking to a patient. And I thought that's that seems like something someone would do. You know, you know that talking to a patient and having bedside manner helps ease that mental and emotional tension. And so she was doing that to herself. So I thought that was brilliant. But then seeing her interact with this incredible fish, you know, in the water, knowing that in the back of my mind that it wasn't there, just really kind of took her over the top for me in terms of being um, incredible in this. I thought that she knew and the director knew how tough it would be to act on your own. And, and she owned that. I didn't I was never really out of the movie at any particular moment with her. I felt like I was with her, like we were kind of in this in this crisis with her the whole time. That is exactly how I felt. And I think that you nailed something that I hadn't even thought about, which was, I mean, man, she, she's acting against a, a, a CGI shark. I, for some reason I, that even click in my mind either, but you're absolutely spot on there. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard. <laughs> that is so hard. I mean, to get the right, facial expressions and the right reactions, the right time, uh, for something like that. And 
Um, she did. She did a really good job. And <laughs> when you were talking just now about that scene, um, it kind of made me think something completely in my mind. I was going on a tangent there because um, it, it reminded me of how gross that scene was and I, how funny I think that is because to me, that's the goriest scene in the film mm-hmm. is her stitching up her leg. And yet that's not an actual in the moment shark attack. So we're, we're in a shark movie about a shark that, eat, that eats eating people, but the grossest moment is an after effect of what the shark did. Right. Um, and that was an interesting choice as far as the horror part of the film goes. And I know they walked a really fine line. I, that For this being PG-13, that was, whew, that was a rough scene for me. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that one of the storytelling elements that the director and the creative team uses is this slow burn effect in a lot of places. Mm. I mean, we, I, I felt like we spent 10 minutes on her wound of her stitching herself up. I think it was maybe two or three minutes, but it felt like 10 or 15. It felt like 10 or 15. It did. And, you know, the looks that she gives out in the water when she sees some of the surfers coming back the next day um, and we see them disappear. And then it felt like another five minutes go by and then we see the wave come back um, and show them again. These little moments that were waiting, a lot of waiting, a lot of time displacement, type things that we're getting where we feel like we are waiting for so long. And it's really just it, only maybe a 30 or 45 seconds. Um, in particular, there was one scene where she has to get the GoPro camera. And, and I love the visual here. I love that we see her watch it's on screen and we see that she's timed the shark going from the whale to the rock. And we're with, with the music and with the, the watch that we see on screen, we see, you know, this countdown. And we know it's actually 33 seconds that this takes place, but I'm going, this felt like 10 minutes. It felt like a long time because of the tension here. And I think that was, that was done. I think I felt that way because of the fact that earlier in the movie, we'd been set up to have those slow burn moments. And this felt like one of those um, kind of residual effects of that slow burn. We felt like it was longer than it actually was. Yeah, I want to say two things in regards to that. I agree with you. I loved the usage of that clock face on the screen. And I think it was really cool that they stylistically set that up earlier in the film when doing the same similar thing with the FaceTime and the camera phones, which I didn't love. When I first saw it, I was like, what is going on? Especially when she was texting in the Jeep. I was like, what the, what is this? Like, what is happening and I don't think the point was for us to love that and for us to particularly like love the, the use of it there. But it sets it up so that it makes it feel comfortable and it makes us feel like that's just part of this world so that when it happens with the, the watch, we're, we're completely bought in. At that point, it's not distracting. It's like, oh, okay, there's something else on the screen. We're used to it. Right. Um, and I loved the fact that, as you mentioned, you know, we're, we're almost in real time. And so when she's swimming – and she's trying to make it. We're watching the countdown. We're not so many films, especially in chase scenes like this. They'll, you'll you'll have some sort of a number. You'll know it'll be like, oh, I have one minute to do X, or I I don't have very much time. And that whole scene will play out over like five or six, seven, eight minutes, right? And it doesn't feel realistic at all. Yeah. Are you like me? Are you like me who I'm I'm counting and I'm like, no, you you ran out of time, like. Three minutes ago, but I am 100% like you because <laughs> I, I do the same thing. And in this one, 
I thought it was great because we don't need shots of the shark chasing her. We don't need we we got to see her and her movements. We know what's happening, and that that the movie did a great job of that, not showing the shark at times it was about to attack. So you kind of you know it's there. She knows it's there, but you're in her world. You're watching her and her her perspective, and you're just seeing this clock ticking down, and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is going to hit zero and chomp. Like, it, it was just, it was a great thing to create tension for this film, and I just thought it was a, a cool device. Well, and to take that one step further, uh, two points on the, on, the, on the device, but the, the, the first point being that we she didn't get the GoPro in the amount of time. It wasn't like she went and got it and came back within those 33 seconds. Like she she messed up. She failed. And she had to reset herself and get back. And and I thought that was great because again, the normal thing is to make it back in time. And she didn't. I mean, and of course there were there were not many consequences to that, but we didn't see the normal kind of quote unquote chase scene, not only from her, being her perspective, but also the way it transpired, you know, we saw that she wasn't able to get the GoPro in the amount of time and get back. She had to wait again and then get back. I actually enjoyed those visuals at the beginning. They were a little weird at first because it's not something I'm used to unless I'm watching something like Minority Report. So to see something like that was a little weird. But then I started realizing that this is a way to give us some exposition without explaining anything with with words. So here we have her flipping through pictures of her mom, which, by the way, the casting of her mom and her sister was fantastic. I absolutely believed that these all three of these women were related. Oh, totally. I thought you're right. I liked that as well. And they were, they did look very similar. And the pictures that you're right about the exposition that it, it did do that. So, we, yeah. So, for example, we see her flipping through pictures of her uh, of her mom at the beach and then being pregnant and then showing her with her daughter. And then we see her with that you know, with a covering on her head that tells us something without actually telling us verbally that she had cancer. And then we get that reinforced with her FaceTime conversation with her dad about her mom being a fighter. So we put two and two together without being told mom's got cancer. We know why you're here at the secluded beach that you're trying to do this or that. We, we make our own interpretation from that. And to me, that feels more genuine. It feels like we're actually watching this thing play out and it's, it's a design element. We're being shown and not told. You know, and in, in, in a lot of ways, the subtlety of that really added to my ownership as a spectator. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, since you're, since you're bringing that up, um, her reason for being on the island, let's, let's go ahead and talk about that. I mean, that's, okay. that's where the heart of this film is. You know, it's not, it's not in the shark attack. It's really not. And, and I, I think that's brilliant you know the best movies that's what they do it's not about the actual action it's taking it's not about the monster attack it's about what's going on around that um the humanity of what that person is going through so i saw this whole thing as kind of like a sort of awful kind of therapy um just like the worst possible prescription a psychologist or psychiatrist could give you it's like hey you know take two pills go to an island 200 yards from shore get attacked by a great white shark and call me in the morning that's (laughs) that and you'll be fine but i really felt that she went through this whole arc of dealing with her mom's death dealing with her struggles of understanding why her mom died why she couldn't save her 
her own desires to be a doctor and her own um her own hesitancy to continue that path because she didn't think she could save anyone um which she proves to herself that she can um i just i thought you know the steven steagall could easily be seen as kind of a throwaway jokey character in this film um a la wilson the volleyball in castaway you know it's just like the 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 prop that gets talked to on the island but it it means so he means so much he he actually he means so much to this story at least in my opinion um that the, the, one of the final shots of the film where she had just been saved and she's puking up the water she's throwing up the water that she'd almost drowned after after um the shark had died and she's just laying on the beach and she just kind of looks over to the side and focuses and there he is you know on the on the ground alive safe on the beach with her and it's like this just slight nod you can you can see it in her face you don't need words you don't need anything else you can see it all over her person that they've made it and that there has been a healing that has occurred at least that's how i read it i don't know what did you so tell me what you thought about the the humanity of the story the drama part that you were talking about well i really connected with it and for those same reasons i thought that seeing her stitch up her wound was my first big connection because before that what i'm seeing is a great surfer movie love the love the love the the stunts oh man she did i don't know if she was doing it or not but the surfing scenes were fantastic one of the uh interviews i read with her she had done those are the last scenes that she shot and uh she had a double for some of them but she did some of her own stunts when it came to the surf that's fun but you know when she has to stitch herself up to me that became the connecting point personally to her as a character to see her talking to herself like a doctor would be talking to a patient and then to see that extended to the bird to say things like, you know, she she wasn't a veterinarian, but she feels his wing and she says, it looks like you have what we would consider a separated shoulder. Again, talking to a patient like a doctor. And then when she lets him go, puts him on that broken surfboard, she says something like, you'll be okay. You're going to be all right. And to me, I think, you know, she's saying two things there. One, like a doctor, she's talking to a patient. She's saying, you're going to be okay now. You know, everything is healed. It's just, you've got to move on. But she's also, I think, talking to herself in a way by saying, you're going to be okay now. Because at that point, what we get is her, the strength of her ready to take down the shark or at least try to do her best to survive. She's not, there's probably fear there, but there's more anger. There's more confidence. I think that was the turning point for her and saying, I'm going to survive. And if I don't, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that the shark does it and try to, uh, and, and try to, you know, I'm going to fight and, and, and says, I'm going to fight until the end. And I think that at that point she really owned what I think, uh, her dad said her mom did was fight and fight and fight. And I think that's where she really felt like she was doing it. Yeah, I agree, man. And I think she, you know, she felt like she couldn't save her mom, but she saved the bird and it, and it just, it, it turned into this catalyst of, you know, this symbolic thing for her. I, you mentioned, you mentioned how she, you know, she, she fixes his wing and she puts him on the surfboard and sets him out. Mm-hmm. Were you expecting him to get swallowed up? Because <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> I think I, I actually applaud the restraint of the filmmaker because I think that's the easy expected horror trope choice in that moment. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe not so because they, you know, there was more of a. I understand he couldn't do that because of where the story he was taking it, which I love. But man, like you just it it was kind of such a nice little rope a dope because you, you're expecting it. Everybody in the audience is expecting that bird to get chomped. Like you do not expect that bird to make it. Um, so it's just a cool thing when you know nothing happens to him. And <laughs> and so since I since I bring that up, I want to ask you. Oh, I talk about the shark a little bit because this is a shark movie. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite shark kill, shark attack moment? What did you love about this this version of Jaws? Well, I will say this: as someone who doesn't like jump scares, someone who will go on the record and saying that horror movies are not my thing for that particular reason. I don't like the tension. One of my favorite moments was near the very beginning where the kids watching the GoPro playback and we see the GoPro camera uh, in the water. And all of a sudden we see the shark just come out of nowhere. And I remember thinking that moment, (laughs) one, are my pants wet? And two, I'm in for, we're in for a ride because we don't know where the shark is going to come from. We don't know what he's going to do. And, you know, being used to talking about jaws, like we have in the last couple of weeks, um, the subtlety's there, but at the very beginning, we get the shark. And so I have no idea if we're going to get like a full on seeing the shark the whole time or if we're going to get more subtle stuff. So I was kind of on pins and needles every time the potential shark showed up. So that was probably my favorite like shark moment. If you mean death, <laughs> fat guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I uh, I love the oh that's just gross um i love the well he deserved it at least i get I, I mean you know i i shouldn't say that i shouldn't say that every thief deserves to be chomped in half by a shark but of all of the people that died in this movie he deserved it the most we'll say that uh, he got greedy he got greedy he wanted the surfboard that's true he did get greedy what do they say you know pride cometh before fall he thought he could get out there um so when you mentioned um the tension and the slow burn. I, I completely agree. I, I had the same reaction I, because we got that opening scene, which I thought was brilliant and great. It put me on pins and needles at, just like it did you for the whole first third of the film. Every time there was anybody in the water, I was waiting. She's surfing. I'm like tense inside. I'm like looking around like, where's, is there something going to jump out and like eat her? I'm waiting. Cause I know it's there. Like I know it's there and it, it's different than just knowing it's there because it's the premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's different than that, and they because they've shown it to us, and we we know that this is like a flash forward, and so it, we don't know. We get to go through this whole film not knowing if she's gonna live or die. Exactly, because we don't know what the outcome is. We just know up to that point. And I here, here's what I love about this: anybody that sees this movie, what are they gonna compare it to? Well, Jaws. It's the only thing, right. or Sharknado. <laughs> let's go with the former and leave the latter to another discussion. Um, and just assume that that's what the majority of people are going to compare it to. So what happens musically when we know that jaws is coming and we don't see dun, it? Dun, dun, dun. And what happens in this movie when we, when we know a shark is coming musically, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. And here's what I think is great about this. There's a, during the, during the surf scene, we have this really great, like, I don't know if it's a techno rock song or whatever, but it's this really cool surf music type stuff. But it only plays when the camera's above the water. 
when it's below the water, there's nothing. It's not even like an underwater like reverb of what's happening above the water. It's like silence. So what we're getting is, okay, is the shark waiting for them? We associate the silence with the sharks getting ready to attack. And so even in that moment, I'm trying to enjoy this great surfing montage and going, uh, is the shark going to destroy him? Is, is, is this going to ruin <laughs> And then for the rest of the movie, when we know the shark is around, there's no music. So the lack of music really adds to that tension because we don't get that, hey, the shark's coming. We don't know if the shark's coming because it's pretty much no music most of the time. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I thought that the cinematography is, you know, gorgeous. Um, but that use uh, that again, this is a very stylish, stylish film and that use of, you know, upper above the water and below the water at those those scenes in the beginning are were just awesome. I mean, they were just so well shot. But I want to I want to make sure I get in my my favorite shark scenes. So. So my favorite. My favorite shark kill um, or attack part, hands down for me, was the surfer number one. Um, I had, I was not sure what was going to happen. So, so you know, they, they they paddle out and they go beneath the wave, as you mentioned earlier, and then we get to see them again, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're good. But you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you know, the guy wearing the GoPro is going to bite it because he's wearing the GoPro, and you know what happens, but you don't know which one. So you 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 don't know if he's going to go first or the other guy. And again, there's no music. There's no it's coming. And all of a sudden it just it's it's so far out in the background too like it's not in the foreground of the shot it's like way out in the distance and you see boom there he goes jumping like just super high into the air jaws wide open straight up in the air with this guy in his mouth and I just I I remember like you having that pee in your pants moment and I'm not going to quote exactly what people in the theater said but this is why this kind of movie is so such a great theater experience because there was more than one, oh, crap, and then these couple girls in front of me just started going, nope, 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 and I mean, it was it was so intense when this was happening, right, and everybody's having this communal experience, it's just such such a cool thing, Um, so that one for me was by far the best shark kill, Um, but I also really love the way the shark was killed itself. I will be honest, there was a couple seconds where I was about to not walk out of the theater, but I was about to be very angry and dock this movie heavily. When she gets the flare gun and she is, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny at first when she like, they like just peter out and it's like, oh gosh, no, this is not happening. But when she shoots it, when she gives it the FU moment yeah. and she shoots it and it lights everything up in flames and we get briefly, we get like flaming shark. That was such an homage to that scene in to the killing of jaws because that's exactly what happened. I mean, that's what is happening. She's doing that same thing. Right. And I was like, you are not going to do this. And then the movie subverts my expectations and it doesn't kill the shark. The shark's smart and the shark goes underwater and puts his fire out and we get just an awesome scene. And the way that she kills him to me is, is even it has a deeper meaning for me because I feel like she she's able to do this because of her, her humanity. So the shark is this big, strong, powerful thing full of momentum. And that's his greatest strength. That's what is making him so dangerous. And that is his undoing. Because the only reason she's able to 
get out of the way is because she's small enough that her momentum doesn't drive her into the spikes as fast as the sharks does. But he can't stop because he's so big and strong. His strengths, the things that he uses to kill and feed and be this menace are the exact things that end up killing him. And on top of that, it just looks really cool when he goes like right into all the spikes and they come popping out through his head. Yeah. (laughs) To me, that was definitely the horror aspect coming out. And um, this was not a beef that I have with the movie. I think it's a beef that I have with not being an experienced shark hunter, shark uh, friend, shark related person. Um, As with any kind of movie involving an animal or fish that I don't know a lot about, I don't know what's considered like realistic and what's considered over the top. So that moment, while my jaw was near my knees uh, when that happened, I was also thinking, could that have really happened? And it wasn't, again, it wasn't a deal breaker, but it did take me out of the movie for just a minute and going, "Mm." but then I just kept watching because the shot did not move away from the, the shark being, you know, the shark's just dead body. (laughs) And I was just looking at it. I was like, that was pretty cool. That was like really cool. Yeah. and, and and it was consistent with everything else. The extreme ways in which people were being killed, um, it, it lined up to me ultimately with how the shark was killed. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make, actually, is that it was consistent in how it handled all of that. Um, I want to, I guess, take a quick moment and just, if there's anything we want to touch on that we haven't covered, just hit on it real quick, um, bullet style. I, the cinematography for me was un- unreal. Um, did you, I mean, I'm assuming you loved it. It was gorgeous. Just yes. scenes of I, beach, scenes of the water. Any any movie that utilizes beach scenes and ocean scenes and blue water, especially this time of year, I'm all in. I mean, that's already a two-star movie for me. Right, yeah, before it even has any characters in it. Yeah, um, you could just show me that scene for like 15 <laughs> minutes and I'd give you two stars right then. It makes you want to make it your your desktop background for your computer. Yeah, I changed my desktop background the next day to something that was... Oh, that's so cool. Um, And then in the credits, you get like this colorful explosion of water, waves crashing. Oh, man, the end credits were beautiful as well. So the um, the, the one scene that we haven't mentioned re- and I wanted to talk about real quick is my favorite scene in the film, which is where she's talking into the GoPro and she's recording herself... I just found that that for me, that was kind of like the emotional climax of the movie. Um, She is acknowledging without saying it that she could die. And she does it. She does so in this really cool way where she is using, she's being very methodical about it. She's like, this is what's happening. Point the camera around. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm on this rock. I need to get there. I can't get there. And then she starts to break down and emotion starts to take over and she starts to deal with the truth and the reality of the situation. And her doing that was just so realistic to me and it felt so raw um, emotionally. And for her to, you know, end it with, she says in there, it feels like something I would say. She says, just, just whoever's reading, listening to this, just delete that out. You know, like, I don't want to say that anymore, but I can't go back and change it. I just okay, I love you. And then, and then she ends it. So she just ends it with like, okay, she, she comes to this piece while she's doing this recording. She comes to a piece and she ends it with that. Just 
time to go. And that's like the moment that I'm going to remember the most out of this film is her just looking into that camera saying, time to go. Like, it's time to do this. Win or lose, live or die. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have to do something. I have to make a choice. And I've, I've come to my, I've come to this <laughs> Zen like moment or I've come to this piece where I'm okay. And it's, it's time to take action and see what happens. And that's what she does. Um, so I, that one really stood out to me. Was there anything that, that stood out to you that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, there's one moment that, that did, but I want to make a quick comment on what you said. I think that moment allowed me as a viewer to be okay with her dying. Cause at this point we don't know if she survives. That is a great so, point. And I didn't want her to obviously, but I would have been okay story-wise with her death because she found resolution. She found a, she found the resolution that she was looking for, maybe that she wasn't looking for, but she found it anyway. And um and, and it didn't the fact that she survived didn't spoil that for me. In fact, I think um I think you and I talked offline about the the scene a year later with it, which was really great. It was a great way to wrap up the story. Um my favorite scene though, I love that that moment, but my favorite scene really speaks to her performance as an actress. And it's the scene where the big fat guy is getting, I hate calling him big fat guy because I don't, we don't know his name. So the drunk fat guy, the big drunk guy, I don't know <laughs> what's politically correct, right? Um, so he goes into the water and he's going after the surfboard and we know what's going to happen. But here's what I thought is great. Um, we, we, we watch her facial expressions as he's being eaten alive. By the shark we see her her fear her disgust all of these emotions coming from her face and we're left to not see what's happening but to imagine it and i think that speaks volumes to how well she can emote um what she's experiencing at that moment and afterwards what we see is this big guy crawling up on the beach and i'm like i thought he was I thought he was, you know, eaten alive or something. And the camera slowly pans to the left and we we see the back of his his torso and we see as it slowly pans to the left that his torso is not connected to the top half of his body. And again, that speaks to the subtlety of how the filmmakers wanted to tell and show this death. It didn't have to be gruesome. We got that from the imagination from seeing her facial expression. We saw the result of it, which could take away. I mean, you can make the argument that it took away from, from that moment with her. But on their own, those two pieces were great in terms of telling this death because it, it gave us the ability to imagine. And then it paid it off by showing what actually happened without being just overly gross and disgusting. Yeah, that was my fa- my second favorite scene and and actually not even the gore part of it not even him crawling I, I, artistically i love what you how you describe that scene as more than just a gory horror scene um, because you you nailed it that is exactly what i got out of it too and that's what made it more impactful but yeah the moment of her just holding the puke in her face the 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 terror on her face the close up and never seeing it happen stroke of genius just brilliant filmmaking you don't have to show us everything. I think they did a great job of balancing that in this one, showing us enough, not showing us at times. Um, just did a did a did a great job, and that that's what you know led to me loving the film so much. So, I want to note a couple pieces of trivia real quick before we get off here. Uh, 
two things that I found that I found very or I thought were very interesting. One is that this was shot off the Gold Coast in Australia, which is not surprising at all. It's very famous for surfing and this gorgeous, you know, scenery. That part's not surprising. What I did find was surprising was that most of the other filming was done in a giant swimming pool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, right? I, I kind of want to go find pictures of them doing the filming just to see what that setup looked like. Um, and the other one is toward the end of the film when Blake's, her character Nancy, is fighting. She's on the buoy. Shark's attacking the buoy and hitting it. Um, she actually slams her face into the buoy, and she gets a running nose, uh, a bloody bloody nose from it. Um, and apparently that really happened. So this blow to her face and the bloody nose is an accident. It wasn't part of the movie and they just kept it in there because it fits so well. And so she kept going with it. And that ends up being there in the, the climax scene of the movie, which I just thought was crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, actresses and actors are better than me because I tell you what, if I slam my face into a buoy and get a, a, a bloody running nose, I'm yelling cut or something, you know, <laughs> I'm not just going to keep going. So, Send me back to my trailer, please. <laughs> right. Yes. Someone carry me back to my trailer and feed me grapes because I need a break. <laughs> That's interesting trivia, man. I love it. I love it. So it's time for us to go. Do you like that? It's time to go. It's time to go. Very, uh, very cool. You can uh, look for our regular weekly episode coming this Sunday night late. We're going to get this one out Sunday night late. Um, it will be there Monday morning early for you on your 4th of July. So if you've got a commute... Uh, if you're going to be hanging out like me, waiting for a parade to start, but you had to, um, you know, get your chairs in there and 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 secure your spot, and you need something to listen to, we're going to be there for you. We'll be talking about the fantastical world of Steven Spielberg's new movie, The BFG, of which Patrick and I are both pretty excited because we don't know anything about it really. I know there's a big giant that's friendly. That's yep. about. Yeah, that's in the title. No, not technically. <laughs> That's true. It is in the trailer, though. <laughs> oh, man. So, Aaron, where uh, where can people find you on the, the webs? Uh, Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. The show, you can follow us, Feelin' Film, on Twitter, Facebook. There is also a Facebook group that you can get into. If you go to the Facebook page, um, one of the latest posts will have a link to that group. You can join that and come tell us what you think about our episodes, uh, join the conversation, post your own topics, tell us what movies you're watching, what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. We love to talk about it all day long. What about you? You can find me at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H, on both Facebook and Twitter. Those are the two main places I hang out when it comes to social media. Well, that's all we've got for now, man. So, until next time, stay positive. And keep feeling film.